Good morning. Good morning. This is Wanda, host of Salty Coffee Podcast. And it is Thursday, October. Ooh, October <laughs> 6th. Uh, I think so. Yep, October 6th. Sorry. October 6th, 2022. And the question for today is what is your favorite throwback Thursday and why? I don't particularly have a favorite throwback Thursday per se, but I do um I do have one that I posted today on my Instagram. And it's when I went to the Grand Canyon. And I'm gonna tell you the story of how I ended up in the Grand Canyon. And I'm gonna tell you why today that is my favorite throwback Thursday. So I'm not sure if you uh, listened to my introductory and where I grew up, but I'm going to quickly summarize it for those of you who are just walking in. I am uh, 52 years old. I was born in uh, Brooklyn, New York, raised in Washington Heights, and now I live in the Bronx. And one of the things that I learned from my grandfather and my mother is to travel. Traveling, I had a passport since I was a baby. And it's amazing to me to learn that there's so many adults in the United States who's never left. Not so much the country, but their their state. They never ventured out. They never visited someone else or family. And sometimes that makes me feel sad. And sometimes that, that makes a lot of sense, right? So a lot of people are afraid to venture out. We don't know why we do it, but some people are very afraid. My grandmother, my grandmother from my mother's side, never went anywhere outside of the home. She really stayed indoors <laughs> her whole life. And she was not wrong when she said, I will start traveling when I die. So my grandmother. Um, but going back to Throwback Thursday and me ending up in the Grand Canyon, so here's the story. <laughs> I, this was um, immediately after September 11 in New York. There was, you know, still chaos as far as traveling. I wasn't really like a traveler, traveler back in 2001. But September 11 opened the doors for me to, in my mind, I thought, you know what, if, if we have to live today, like we're not going to be here tomorrow. And that's one thing that resonated with me after September 11. You have to live today like you are not going to be here tomorrow. Enjoy every minute that you wake up and go back to sleep. Because even in your dreams, even in your dreams, you go places, right? You travel you visit, you know, locations. I, I know I do in my dreams. But I received um, like a like a solicitation over the phone where they said, hey, you know, you can go to three trips as long as you do this 90-minute presentation, blah, blah, blah. All you have to do is pay 150 and we'll, you know, make the reservations for you. 
And I thought to myself, this is crazy. I have two daughters. I'm a single mom. It's September 11. Um, the world is chaotic right now. I really need to like, I really need a break. I'm going out. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? <laughs> I really need a break. I may put on my headset. Uh, what do you guys think? Leave me a message if I'm going in and out. Um, uh, am I still going in and out? <laughs> okay. I'm going to put on my headset. I'm sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry about that. Um, we're talking about what is your favorite throwback Thursday and why. So for those of you who couldn't hear me clearly before, um, just to let you know, um, traveling has always been my thing uh, since this throwback Thursday. So how did a Bronxite or a Washington Heights at that time end up in the Grand Canyon? Uh, immediately after September 11. So I got a phone call from a company where they would uh, solicit, you know, um, hey, you know, you can win up to three trips as long as you go to this 90-minute presentation. And at that point, I was like, you know, what do I have to lose? Why not? I figured out babysitting, and I didn't take all three trips at the same time, but the first trip, I decided to go to Daytona Beach. I did the 90-minute thing, and I wasn't interested in uh, purchasing what we call, um, I don't even know what they're called anymore, <laughs> you know, the the those weekly uh, timeshares. Oh, sorry. Um, I ended up utilizing my timeshare as much as I could because the whole concept of having my children, you know, where I have my own kitchen, they have their own bedroom, is sweet, was a concept that I really wanted to, you know, feel safer. It, and that's just my opinion. I just 
thought it would be safer to travel with my daughters as a single mom with two daughters, right? And so the, the Daytona trip was, so the solicitation was you can go to three trips for like $150 as long as you did the 90-minute, you know, presentation. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know they were going to show me, you know, the shitty hotel they put you in to, hey, this is what you can have if you purchase it tomorrow. Moving forward, you can have it for the rest of your life, blah, blah, And when they came up with the numbers, you know, of how much I would be paying a month or a year or every year and the maintenance fee and all of that, I was disinterested. I was like, but this is the Daytona Beach trip, right? I was not interested at all. Um, so went back home. That was like a weekend trip, right? Went back home, and then I made a reservation for the second trip, which was uh, the Bahamas, Freeport, Bahamas. So in Freeport, Bahamas, you know, they put you in this shitty hotel. Then, you know, they pick you up. They tell you, hey, you know, we're going to, it's going to be more than, a little bit more than 90 minutes because the grounds is huge and we don't know how else that's, you know, what you're going to be interested in, but we have a lot more to offer um, for this timeshare. And they never say the word timeshare. They never say any of that. Uh, whenever you um, sign the contract or the agreement, it's never going to be those words per se. It's They'll say like property something. You know, they make it sound very fancy, smancy. So I go to Freeport, Bahamas. I go with a friend. And I'm like, you know, it's September 11. Why? So, so we go through the whole 90 minutes. They take us through the rooms. They show us the rooms. You can have beach uh, front. You can have the back. You can have the, well, Freeport, Bahamas had the beach. And then it had like a little lake or something or a basin where you could fish, actually. You could have that view or you could have the ocean view, whatever view you want. One bedroom, two bedroom, three bedrooms, depending on the family size. So I was really impressed. I was like, wow, this is really awesome that if I pay this much, I can come to here with my family every year. And I thought that was pretty interesting and, you know, affordable at the time for me and my two daughters. Because if you look at all the the, the benefits of it was... You can do um, what they call like a interval. Well, there's interval and then there's RCI where you can exchange your week um, at another place, at another location, which I did utilize. So this, remember, this was in 2001, right? At that time, before 2001, they had timeshares where you had to select the same week that you signed up for. And that was, I could imagine um, people who actually did that, I could imagine that they were going through craziness, right? And, th and I'm not saying this for you to go tomorrow and go buy a timeshare. I'm just giving you my experience of how I ended up wanting to travel and how I ended up in the Grand Canyon in 2000. One, right after September 11. Um, so please, I'm just 
telling you the story of what happened and I'm not soliciting at all for you to go tomorrow and go buy a timeshare. <laughs> However, um, if you do have the opportunity that you get free stuff and just stand strong and say no, you know, um, but I'm also not knocking it either. You know, it's, it works for who it works best for, you know, instead of purchasing homes everywhere else, then maybe that's something you could do. Um, so at that time in 2001, they no longer had that uh, limitation where you had to select the same week that you purchased. You know, you can, as long as your unit was available, you can pick any week and you can pick it anywhere else in the world. It depends on the exchange program, which at that time I was using RCI, and then they rolled over to interval world. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, this is beautiful. Um, and they started with 60, I think it was like 60, it was a, a large amount. And I'm looking at them, do you do realize I'm from New York and a single mom? And this is costing more than my annual salary, <laughs> you know, because it, it, it was like $70,000 with a whole week with a one bedroom, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, it's 2001, September 11 just happened two months ago. What can you do for me for, let's say, $98 a month? What can you do for me? Like, I negotiated. <laughs> and I was so proud of myself because at that time, I was going through um, negotiations, um, how to get to yes courses and, and conferences and stuff like that. And not to say that I got a great deal, but to me, I really did. So I told him, look, I'll tell you what, instead of you wasting your 90 minutes on you telling me what you can offer me, I'm going to tell you what I have available and what I can pay. So, yeah, so we agreed to, they came back and they said, all right, you're going to have a 30-year agreement, right? However, the 30 years is going to include 15 uh, weeks. So that meant that I have I will have a unit every other year, which was fine, you know, because I could still do my traveling with my children the other way, you know, like traditional hotel, whatever, right? So, because remember back then we didn't have Airbnb unless you really knew someone who was doing that. You know, like you would have to know the owner and stuff like that. That's something that was very private <clears throat> at, at one point. So I got my timeshare for 30 years for 15 weeks for $98 a month, which is what they call like the, because I think it ended up being like $19,000, something like that. It wasn't more than 20000 total which it's all right, right? $98 a week, a, a month, um, 15 weeks. And then this is the catch that they don't tell people, um, the maintenance fee, right? So again, this was in Freeport, Bahamas, where, you know, there's hurricanes, there's, you know, a lot of work to do. Freeport, Bahamas is expensive. 
So the food was like, I mean, they took a shopping. And I could tell you that back then, when I went the second, I went the, in 2020, in 2004, I went back. Um, the food was very expensive. And unfortunately for me, I went like on Columbus Day and they celebrated. So I was kind of weirded out about that. I was like, what do you mean you're closed? What do you mean everything is closed? <laughs> and they're like, well, we celebrate Columbus Day. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> Free poor Bahamas, but hey, it is what it is. So I ended up getting this timeshare for $98 a month. The maintenance fee then was, I think, 200 and something a year. Boom, the following year, which I, which I didn't have to pay the maintenance fee every year. I paid it every other year, which was fine. You know, it was something that I can say, hey, I have this unit for a week where my daughters and I can go regroup ourselves, refresh ourselves, and just have a great time. You know, I can buy the food, cook it in the unit. They have a full kitchen. They have a washer and dryer. You know, that's that's how I wanted to travel with my daughters. And that's what I sacrificed, you know, whatever funding I saved throughout the year, which I can go back later on and tell you how I saved the money to travel with my daughters. But so I, I did the Bahamas thing. I signed, right? Once you sign, they ring the bell. They bring you the champagne bottle. You get to stay in the unit for the remainder of the time that you're there. So I was excited. I was like, wow, this is really amazing. Um, and then because of September 11, they gave me two more trips that I can utilize before the year ends, right? One of them was Las Vegas, and the other one was, again, Florida, uh, near the Disney area. Orlando. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, this is amazing. What, how am I going to do this? So immediately when I got back home, boom, I reserved the Las Vegas trip. December, around early December. Man, when I tell you, I was able to get a three-bedroom <laughs> unit in Las Vegas. So this is how it works. When you purchase your timeshare within like international wise or they have different like uh categories of you know like star what we consider stars five star four star gold whatever medallion whatever the one that i purchased in uh freeport bahamas was at the highest star so anything you exchanged you get like the top notch wherever you go and one thing that I realized is that the United States timeshares were horrible. The The best ones that I exchanged was in the Poconos called Lake Harmony. That was the best one. Other than that, um, very limited. There wasn't much to look at. Uh, they were in poor old conditions. Um, but I did utilize them a lot. So in Las Vegas... They had a really nice one called Leisures. And so I made my reservations right away. That one was free. The flight round trip was $55 because why? September 11 had just happened. Nobody was traveling. 
nobody had a passport nobody had money you know things were happening so i took advantage immediately and said i'm going to vegas because i've never been to vegas and i want to go i never been to the west coast so i, w- I really want to go so i went in december i went for like i think it was five days so i stayed in a three-bedroom for free i didn't have to pay anything because i won that because i had just um gotten the timeshare at Freeport Bahamas, right? I got a discount on my flight. And a full kitchen, three bedroom. This is me by myself traveling. Because that's how I travel. I travel alone. So uh the the following day when I get to Las Vegas, I get a phone call from the front desk. Of course, they're all connected, right? They're all timeshares and they're gonna continue to try to um solicit their product, whatever it is, right? So, of course, they had their own 90-minute presentation. And I'm like, you know, do they even know that I have one? Like, how do you reserve this resort? Like, I was confused at the time, but not to be confused because I'm a New Yorker and we don't get confused that often. Um, It's very hard to trick us into something, right? And I'm telling you, uh, I don't feel like I was tricked. $98 a month, $250 for maintenance fee every two years. Every two years you get a week for a full two-bedroom with a kitchen. That wasn't bad at that time in 2001. It really wasn't. Because remember, Airbnb wasn't out. None of that stuff was out. So I, I said, sure. I get the phone call. They're like, oh, would you like to do... Um, would you like to go out and have opportunity to win a trip to the Grand Canyon slash Hoover Dam and blah, blah, blah. I was like, absolutely. They gave me breakfast. They gave me tickets to a show in Vegas. They gave me, um, and this is just to go to the presentation. I uh, got a slot, you know, like those little slot machines in the casinos which I don't gamble, but they also gave me the opportunity to just go and check places within Las Vegas, right? Um, what else did I get? I got a a free ride into the stratosphere, one of those rides that the stratosphere has. So I got to see the stratosphere. I got to see um, Circus Circus at the time. I got to see Mandalay Bay. I got to see the Luxor. So sure why not i loved it the the resort also had for you to have the opportunity since you're a solo traveler that you know they give you like this little card where you go and if you go to like a club or anything you know they'll come and pick you up so that was another option so i went to do my 90 minute they showed me you know all of these hotels i got breakfast i got lunch it was almost like a half a day thing and I was like, well, you know what? This is all really beautiful and interesting, interesting, but I'm more of a beach lady. I like to do beach stuff. I don't like to really, you know, I don't gamble. I don't, so I don't see how, you know, and I really like, like, the, this is me telling them, like, you know. So unless you could do, like, where I can exchange, you know, from, oh, you have a timeshare? And I was like, yeah. 
do you know that they try to buy me out of the other one to buy to this one? And I was like, oh, no, that's not going to happen. And they're like, well, how much do you pay? Which they're not supposed to ask me. But I told them, I was like, no, I got it down to $19,000 for 30 years. I pay 98 a month, blah, 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 right? And they're like, oh, well, we're so sorry. But here are your gifts um, for coming to the 90-minute blah, blah, blah. So, boom, I reserve the Grand Canyon immediately. I reserve the Grand Canyon with the Hoover Dam trip. And it's called the Rim Tour trip. And the question is, what is your favorite throwback Thursday and why? My favorite throwback Thursday today is that Grand Canyon trip. Always heard on TV shows where families were like, we're going to the Grand Canyon. Like, that was a thing for Americans to do, right? And I always was like, what is that? What is this Grand Canyon? You know, back then, when I was growing up, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have people traveling outside of New York. <laughs> well, again, we didn't have people with passports. But um, my my traveling was limited to from New York to Dominican Republic, you know, to visit family. That was the limit. And when I was 10 years old, my cousin took me to Disney World, and that was it, right? But the Grand Canyon, I had to get up at 4 in the morning. And if you go into my Instagram, I just posted the photo today of me at the Grand Canyon. And that's my favorite throwback Thursday because so much happened that year. September 11, um, I, I lost a lot of friends. My friends, many friends left New York. Um, people were getting sick still till this day from the smoke and the fiberglasses and all of that. People were still, you know, PTS from September 11. Um, there are triggers, you know, for those who experienced it where, you know, if the train stops, the subway stops, or anything like that, we're still triggered by September 11, including myself. You know, um, this generation of people who are moving into New York, they don't seem to, like, grasp that there's still people, like, they have a museum. You go to the museum, and it's like, wow, I live this history. This is crazy, you know, to be in a museum and to experience something, to, to look at something that you actually was in it and experience it. It's crazy to me, right? But not being able to communicate with your family is a trigger. Not being able, you know, like a lot of people love to use the phone just to use the phone to be connected. But I only like to use the phone in case of an emergency. And I think it's important for us to try to understand how other people who may have PTS for anything, right? But I get up early five in the morning because they said the the trip is like a whole full day five in the morning they give us breakfast you know they pick us up at the resort they give us breakfast um they give us water we get on a bus the bus takes us to the hoover dam we we have the opportunity to go to the museum in the hoover dam they cross us over from the division of Arizona and Nevada 
right on the Hoover Dam. It's smack in the middle of the Hoover Dam. You get to see a film of the history of the people who built it, how long it took. Of course, I don't remember any of that, but you can always Google it, right? You can search it. Um, but it, it just, it was amazing to me to be able to be in a place that was built, you know, because the, the water that was coming through there wasn't even, what was it? It wasn't, what was it that they said? They said that the water that ran through the Hoover Dam wasn't even to serve people in Nevada or Arizona. It was to do, to serve the water to the people in Colorado or something like that. You can search it, but I was so overwhelmed by the Hoover Dam and the story and the history that I was, you know, a lot of things popped up in my head. Because remember, 2001, we still didn't have the internet like we have it today. We didn't have, I don't really think we had YouTube. And if we did, it was very limited. You had to probably subscribe. We didn't have apps like these where people can communicate and tell stories or share information, right? That didn't exist after September um, 11. I mean, during uh, 2001. And the internet was pretty new, and people were just gradually getting them in their homes, because remember, the dial-up? <laughs> and it was expensive. It was very expensive, you know, to have a, a computer. You know, you had to have, like, 10 CDs to program your computer. It was, um, I, I tell you, children today don't know how lucky they are that everything you plug in, boom, done. You know how all the stuff we had to do <laughs> when we purchased a computer? It was crazy. And just to get, like, a film or movie, you had to, like, wait, buffering, buffering, downloading, that, like, hours. You have to wait hours for it to happen. But thank you for those who invented and the engineers who, you know, took immediate action to make it happen where we get things quicker, right? Real time, like right now, I'm having this conversation and everybody's is not delayed. Um, it's real time, and thank you for those who did that and took the uh, took the time to learn how to make it better, right? Because that's the world we live in. So I'm in uh, the Hoover Dam, take pictures. I love it. Boom, we get back on the bus. They take us to go eat lunch. Had lunch, mind you, all of this is free just by doing the 90-minute thing. So I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm a winner. <laughs> I'm a winner today. I'm going to live life like I am going to die tomorrow. That was my my mindset at the time because of September 11th, right? So I get into the bus. We have lunch, dinner. Uh, we have lunch, right? And then we're headed to the Grand Canyon. I think from the Hoover Dam to the Grand Canyon wasn't a, a long ride. But along the ride, we got to see that alien section of Highway 66. Um, they didn't say much about it then. And I think they were just trying to be careful with, you know, the stuff that was happening in the world, you know, post September 11 in New York City. And then uh, one thing that uh, was kind of confusing for me is because the tour guide 
he was speaking in three languages. So he was speaking English, Spanish, and French. So I pretty much understand all three. Well, definitely English and definitely Spanish. And I do understand French. So it was kind of like a headache thing for me because some of the things he would say in English, he would not really say it in Spanish. And some of the things he would say in French was really not in, you know, you can't translate it. So I was like, hmm, wait, you missed something. <laughs> I remember you saying this in English. Why are you missing it in French or in Spanish or vice versa? So we get to the Grand Canyon. And, when, and this is the rim, the rim tour, which is the top part of the canyon. And then you can see down. And again, you can go into my Instagram and see the photo. I posted it there. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. And usually I don't like to take photos of myself anywhere. And someone just looked at me and said, let me take a picture of you. Because again, I travel solo. And I was like, wow, um, sure, okay. And I'm so grateful today that this person took this picture because here I am experiencing this beautiful view, this beautiful, um, what do they call it? Uh, natural wonder of the world, is that what it's called? And I was just like, wow, breathtaking view of this hole. <laughs> if you will, you know, and it was just amazing. It, 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 it smelled fresh. It looked, the colors just matched. You can tell that it goes way back and way to the right and way to the left. It was just beautiful. And I just sat there on the rim, literally on the rim, and just took it all. And people were, you know, talking, the kids were running around, and I'm like, oh, my God, these kids are going to fall. They're walking on the edges, and oh, my God, I was a little nervous. And I was like, you know what, relax. <laughs> Post-September 11, just enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. You know, and I'm so glad that back then, we didn't have this selfie thing. We didn't have the Instagram. We didn't even have Facebook, at least as adults we didn't, maybe in college in 2001, but there was no social media like there is today, and, I, and I'm grateful for that, because I got to enjoy and learn how to enjoy a moment <laughs> that cannot be re repeated, because if I go back to the Grand Canyon today, I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that, and maybe, maybe I'll feel the same feelings, I can, I, all the senses will come back, but they might come back differently because, you know, when I went to this trip in 2001 was before December. After December that year in 2002, so much changed. How we travel, what phones um, we're going to have. Smartphones started coming out. Um, Facebook started being, you know, reachable to many. Um Everything happened so quickly, so fast, that, no, if I went back today to the Grand Canyon like I did in 2001, it won't feel the same. And I think many times we take life for granted. Like, we don't even 
take a moment to just enjoy a sunlight or, or tree, if you will. We don't even take, we're so busy and trying to make money, trying to pay the bills. And I get that. I get it because I've been there. I've had my ramen noodles week with my girls. I've had being like, you're almost out of this apartment, lady. I've had that. I've been there. I've been homeless. I know what that feels. So I also know that within those obstacles that come upon us and struggles, we also need to take time for ourselves. We also, you know, because at that time, I couldn't even think. I, I totally forgot for like two seconds, three seconds that I had children <laughs> back home. I totally forgot. And and as a mother, I was like, wow, I'm a horrible person to think that way. But no. Now looking back, had I not experienced that on my own, I would never have struggled the way I struggled to be where I'm at today. Seriously. I was so scared to do things before this trip. I was so scared. To, I always thought people were out to just scam me. I was always out thinking people just going to do me wrong. You know, that's just how I live my life. And could you imagine if I would have never gotten that phone call to say, hey, you have the opportunity to travel. But, man, you're crazy. Ain't nobody giving you $125 over the phone. <laughs> if you had that phone call today, would you do it? Absolutely not. Because you would think it's a scam, right? Like, there's no way that you're going to get free, three free trips where all you had to do was a 90-minute. But that's how desperate these companies were, right, to get people in. And who knows? If, if you are the person that's making the phone calls, who knows if your voice is convincing enough that you made 300 calls in one day? And you got at least 50 people to do it? That's good money, right? Just on the phone call. Now, the hard part would probably be the 90-minute people because those are the ones that are actually have to convince you to buy the timeshare. But here I am in the Grand Canyon, a New York girl who had never been anywhere in the West Coast by myself, and just breathing it in, enjoying that moment. For me, this Throwback Thursday is my favorite. And it is my favorite because, again, single mom, never been anywhere, didn't travel. And it just opened up like a little window or, or door for me to say, why do I fear going anywhere? Like, what, what's, up, what's up with that? What's up with me that I don't take the risk to just pack my girls and be like, I'm out? Why didn't I ever leave New York? Why was I so afraid to drive outside of my area? Why was I afraid to take a flight by myself? What, what was it about September 11 that got me so, like, whew, man, I could really die tomorrow. I need to do this today. 
And that's exactly what it was. You never know what's going to happen. So instead of preparing, you know, because you also have to be prepared for the future. I get that. If there's anyone that you would know on this wisdom uh, app that is prepared for the future, it's me. (laughs) Because a lot of people fall into it. A lot of people fall in, you know, you are born with it. You've learned. You've learned from your parents. Me, I knew my life from the age of five. Like, that's how I planned my stuff. From the age of five, I already knew that I wanted to have, I wanted to get married for sure. I wanted to have a husband. I wanted to be a wife at five years old. And I know this because I, I can remember playing with dolls and, and, and articulating one. I knew where I was going to work and what I was going to do at five years old. I used to be the, the administrative person. Like that's how I played by myself all the time because in the eighties, you really couldn't do have much friends in New York city. You had to be careful. Right. And which is sad, but very limited friends. Right. I would, um, you know, play register. I would take, uh, someone gave me a register one time. I dismantled the thing and put it back together. And at five, seven, six, eight, nine years old, I already knew that I was a problem solver. Like, if if you and I meet today, right, and you ask me something, in my mind, I'm trying to solve your problem. Like, that's how my mind works. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to discuss it. I don't want to go back and forth. I don't want to, um, like, be in conflict either. But I am a problem solver. Like, that's how my mind works. And sometimes people will be talking to me and I'm silent. And it's not because I'm ignoring them. It's not. It's I'm, I'm like a computer. I'm inputting the data that you're giving me. And I'm already, like, in the background downloading. Okay, how do we solve this problem? That's how my mind works. So when I when I left the Grand Canyon with like wow this is amazing I need to do this again somewhere else man it was over for everybody <laughs> So at my job right I have 5 weeks of vacation right out of those 5 weeks of vacation I usually take 2 for my girls right? This was back then. And then I would take the other, uh, I would take one for activism, right? To volunteer and just to do activism, to lobby, to go to Albany and lobby with the legislators, um, with my peers and my colleagues, where we all collectively thought about one thing and what workers needed at the time. Um, and I just went home I hugged my daughters, and I was like, man, you guys don't even know what's about to happen to us. We're going to do big things. And that's my throwback Thursday. And if you have one, okay, so I was told, and I'm sorry to change the subject real quick for those who are coming in. 
but I was told that I don't have this um, ask us to come in available and I don't know how to change it. <laughs> so do I need to go to my settings? Or, or should I not be doing that while I'm talking? <laughs> I don't know. But you can leave me um, a comment if you want to share um, how to do that, how to add the guest, and what is your throwback Thursday and why. I think we, we always fall, no matter where we grew up, right, whether it's another country, um, we always follow what our parents tell us, right, or we follow by example of what we see as children, right? Um, sometimes we follow those things in a way that we're like, oh, we never want to be like that. Or we'll follow it as that's what I want to be when I grow up. And although my mother's, um, what, what you could say the way that she made money was totally different and non-traditional, it was something where she made money. And at, at 10 years old, I'm telling you, people used to be like, how, what? Because I was, I was like, I am not going to live like this, right? But I was making $150 plus, right, in cash at 10 years old. So when people tell me, hey, I can't find a job or I can't do it, you know, well, you know, I'm going to need money or I'm going to, I just don't have anybody to help me. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. There's plenty of things that you can do that will assist you to either make more money as an extra gig from your regular nine to five. And if you don't have a nine to five, there, there's so much out there that you can really do to make money. I don't do this podcasting thing to make money I don't because my objective and my purpose is to share information with other people of where they can save to not necessarily copy and paste what I did but to let you know that if you're a single mom and you have children your priority is your children and what good is it if you're not doing your best to make your life better what good is it if you're not taking the effort to do those things? Going to work and coming home to take care is not enough. It's not. You're gonna have to take. You're gonna have to make sacrifices. One of the conversations that I have with um, a friend of mine is in one of another talk. Right? They asked me, "Hey, so so why? You know, uh, yeah, I divorced. I was married for eleven years, and I divorced." And they said, you know, why didn't you remarry? Why didn't you? I said, because that was not my focus. After my divorce, you know what was my focus? For me to really do the things that I wanted to do. Not that, not so much that I wanted to do, but that I needed to do. Like complete my college education, because that was important to me and my mom. When my mom passed away and I was 19, it was my first year of college. 
And I said to myself, I have to do this before my kids go to college. <laughs> That's how crazy my mind works. I was like, no, I have to do this. And I did it. It took me six years to get my undergraduate degree, but I did it. And people are like, well, are you going to make more money? This is this is the mindset of the others, right? Well, you're going to make more money now that you have it. That's not how life works. And me getting a degree had nothing to do with making more money. Why is everyone so stuck with that? I don't get it. I, I don't understand why people are so stuck with making more money or I'm going to make it or that thinking that the measure of success is the amount of money you make. Why? Why is that? Why do people think that? So no, I got my degree in urban and labor studies and every year I take one thing that I want to learn and utilize the benefits of my job to get free education anywhere. Anywhere. Online, whatever. I take the opportunity. I took American Sign Language for two years. I took um, photography for, for, I mean, just the basic. But if, if it was something that I had to pay for, I would utilize the resources that I had. If you go to my website today, www.saltycoffeepodcast.com I do everything. I don't have I don't hire someone to do it for me. I became a notary for the New York State. Now looking forward to doing a signing agent which it's a great gig if once I retire. It's awesome. So why do we not do that? Why, why? We can, I know people who have little kids right now that I'm like, you can even utilize, ask your child a question and get that and record the answer. And you can have a whole talk about the strange things children say today. How honest are our children? Why, why can't we live that innocent life <laughs> that they're so like, why do we hide things from our children? Why are we not exposing our children to the world and reality? Because I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of them that come to my place where I work, and they have no clue of how to function. Just on the basics. <laughs> Just on the basics. They're smart. They're book smart. They're very, they can think logically, but man, they lack street smarts. What would you rather have? Would you rather have a kid that, you know, oh, he's a good kid and blah, 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 or he's, he's going to be somebody <laughs> or she's going to be somebody. And, and I don't mean somebody like, oh, they got their master's and their PhD and they're famous. Not like that. Like, they're so in tune with reality and what's happening in the world that they can articulate it to anyone at any level. That type of person. When I tell my girls, man, you know, because even my youngest daughter said, when are you going to interview me in your podcast, mom? I'm like, girl, <laughs> well, 
and I'm thinking like, well, what is my fear? What do I fear of how that's, you know, what's she going to say? Because if there's anyone that can validate your parenting, it's your children, not your job, not how much money you make, not uh, your peers, not your family. No one but your children can validate and measure your parenting skills or how good of a parent you were or bad. Not even yourself. Because there are times that, especially women, mothers, we put ourselves in situations that we're like, damn, I messed up. Why did I put her in this school? Why did I put them in this school? Or, damn, I could have done better. Don't do it to yourself. There's no book or accurate way to raise your children. There is none. And you can go to therapists and you can read how to become the best parent and you can read. That worked for that person. And yeah, you can have some tips and stuff of what to do with your children and all of that. I can give you some tips, you know, what I did with my girls being raised in the Bronx in one of the highest crimes area. I mean, we all know the Cardi B's, right? My daughters and myself could have ended up doing that. And, and, and to think about it, it's like we're not going to be here to judge them. They did what they needed to do to survive, right? But why do we put, as parents, why do we put ourselves in situations where we're like, wow, and I messed that up? Don't do it. You did the best that you can with what you knew. And yeah, take accountability. Take accountability when you fucked up really bad. Take accountability because sometimes we do. But do you have to live with that decision? Yeah, you do. You will have to sleep at night or not sleep. But what exactly when you have children? Like for me, I planned it at five years old. (laughs) Who does that? And so you have to talk to your children like, hey, every day, have a conversation with your kids. What does this look like to you? What do you think about this? Talk to, I I read a book one time that said, talk to your children, learn how to talk to your children so that they can listen and learn how to listen so that they can talk. And I'm reading this book in the train and this old man tells me, Well, if you have to read a book about how to raise your children, and I'm like, man, that's so cruel. Because I thought about it. I was like, wow. (laughs) That was harsh. Why is he saying that to me? You know, I'm trying to do my best, and women do it all the time. We find ways. We look for ways. We want to always be better. Whether that be with the first one or the second one, whichever way. We, we want to do better. And I'm telling you, you can. You can. There was a time where I had to work. Well, I didn't have to. But in order to give my children what I wanted for them, I worked three jobs. A full-time job and two gigs. One of the gigs was a bouncer. Yeah, I was a bouncer at a nightclub. <laughs> 
And I could have, I could have chose to be a dancer part-time and make more money, but that's not a choice that I made. Not because I have anything against dancers. That's just not me, even though I could dance, right? But I became a, a bouncer and I would bounce people out. I'm 4'11", though, <laughs> but I can kick some butts. <laughs> and guess what? So I have my full-time job, right? I would bounce on the weekends. I would pay a babysitter, right? But I was making cash money, sometimes $500 a weekend. And what did I do with that money? I put it to the side to make sure that my children went to college and that I had the funds because I already did the research even before I had kids to know that by the time they were the age to go to college, I, I better like catch up <laughs> and make up that money because the savings bonds that I had was not going to be enough for both of them. So I had to do that. I had to think about those things. And that was my priority. And that's why I never remarried or was in a relationship because that wasn't my priorities. And that's not to say that if you divorce and then you remarry that, you know, I, that, that just wasn't me. I couldn't be stuck in a position where I was going to have conflict and chaos in my household. I wanted everything to be, you know, clear and concise and consistent. This is the plan. At five years old, <laughs> this is me thinking, like, this is how I want it. As soon as I saw where the the whole plan was going to be rerouted, I step back and be like, okay, let me reassess this because I can't believe that it's not my life. It's not working the way I planned it. And guess what? It's not always going to work that way. September 11 taught me that. Hurricane Sandy taught me that. And COVID, hello, taught me that. Before COVID, we already, my daughters and I planned that we will be out the house you know everybody's gonna go into their own places and I would start my journey on preparing for retirement and guess what COVID happened <laughs> and we had to sit down and reassess that whole thing because they lost their jobs fortunately I didn't I didn't lose my job or the gigs that I had I actually had to do the gigs more so to compensate for what they were contributing to the household. So you have to have conversations whether your kids are five years old, 25 years old, you have to have constant conversations, real conversations with them about, a, take a picture of a throwback Thursday today. Throw it on the table at dinner tonight and ask them, hey, what do you think about this picture? Well, it looks like you're in the Grand Canyon, Mom. Yeah. What else do you see? Well, you look like huh? it looked like you were happy. Was I? September 11 just happened. And go through the history of that picture, that photo that you have, that you're going to share with your children, and explain to them what were you, what were you doing at that time, whether it be something sorrow, something you know sad, or happy, whatever, a wedding photo, like, hey, this is your father and I, 
And even though we're divorced, we love you. We love you a lot. And we would do anything for you. Because that's what good parents do. They would sacrifice not having a new relationship to make sure that they're good. And I get criticized all the time for that. Because in most people's eyes, oh, you don't have a man? Like, oh, she's single? Man, if I if I listened to all the people that were telling me to get married, I, I would be so depressed again. Because at five years old, that, that wasn't an option for me. I said what I said at five years old. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have one husband, one father, and children. And that's how it's going to work for me. So, no, things didn't work out with their father. But that doesn't mean he was a bad person or I was a bad person. It just meant that we weren't aligned with, at least with what I thought would be, you know, a good household unit. And just because he was away from the home didn't mean that he wasn't no longer their father. They have a great relationship. And I made sure that they did. And that they understood that it didn't matter who would come into my life afterwards that that did not say this is their new father or, you know, now they have two fathers. I don't know. That just wasn't my thing. So, yeah, I never remarried, never got involved with anyone serious enough to, to do that because my focus was myself, healing myself, making sure that I'm good. So that they can be good. And as young women today, yeah, you have to be on top of your girls. Especially if you live in New York and in the Bronx. You have to make sure they they know how to communicate with people. Because you say one wrong thing to somebody and you just never know what could happen. You have to know, you know, where their mindset is at. What are you thinking? Why why are so many young people depressed and suffer from anxieties? What is that all about? Is it because of our struggles? Is it because they saw that we couldn't make it? Is it because they saw that we couldn't handle it? Is it because they they saw that, you know, there was conflict between the relationship of of the parents? Why why are children so young? in their 20s, suffering from so many health, like, I'm I'm just, I'm not going to ask anymore, because we do live in a chaotic world, but as parents, what are we doing that's causing that, I remember my youngest daughter, when she was in college, she told me one time, she's like, well, you know, you're really, you're really strict, you don't know how to communicate, I felt so bad, when she said that, and I was like, wow, ouch, that hurt, that really hurt for your college-age student, and I'm thinking, what has she learned in psychology, because <laughs> she's a psychology major, what is she learning in psychology that she's trying to use on me, because she really tried me, though, 
she really tried me. And I told her um, later on because I, I let people ask me things and I let them and I let them know that I need a moment to answer because I never want to respond with my emotions, you know, because I was hurt. And she said that you don't know how to communicate. Damn, I thought I was the best parent because my form of communication is by action. And I told her that later on. I said, you know, you have mentioned one time that I'm a horrible communicator, and you're probably right. I don't like to say things verbally a lot, and I do tend to not show. You know, I don't know if that's my zodiac sign. You know, I try to make a joke out of it. I don't know if it's because I'm an Aquarius, you know, like that type of thing. Because people do say we are distant, aloof, you know, and we could be, but we don't mean harm out of it. And and I told her, I said, you know, you mentioned this to me the other day and you told me that uh, I was very, uh, I don't know how to communicate with you. And I asked myself, wow, like, ouch. <laughs> and I slept on it and I was like, I wonder what she meant by that. Man, is she using reverse psychology on me now? Like, is this what's happening? Like, our children are testing us? <laughs> oh, man, I failed. But anyway, I went back to her and I told her, you know, I could sit here and tell you, you know, you're wrong. And 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 I had to apologize and say, you know, I can, I only did what I knew. That's it. So show me what it is that you need because I have two daughters. The other one didn't feel that way. My oldest daughter, oh my gosh, she loves me. She loves that the way that I am, that I am quiet many times, you know, and I just have that look, you know, like, hey, forgot to wash the dishes, you know, like that type of look. But I realized that even being raised in the same household and raised by the same family and because you know I didn't do this by myself self even though when they say single mom you know it's just one person one adult in a household that doesn't mean that you don't have family to support your children you know and if you don't have that it's important to keep you know communication with your family and make sure that they have a relationship, whether that be with the family of the father or your family. That they have a continual relationship with them. Because a lot of children blame themselves for the separation of their parents. They do that a lot. And they don't even realize it. But they do. They're like, wow, what did I do? Like, what just happened? Why? Why are they not together? You know. But don't let them make you feel guilty either, you know. You have to do what's best for you as a parent, whether you're the father or the mother, you know. You cannot live in a household with chaos and and toxicity. That's not healthy for no one. You know, and I have friends who um, their parents were married for years, and they get divorced <laughs> in their 60s. In the 60s, and you're like, what that? What is that all about? Oh, I stayed for the children. You can't do that either. You can't.
can't just stay for the children. That's awful. You know? You want to do that, yeah, but there's going to be conditions for that. You're going to have to constantly go to therapy, constantly go to group therapy, constantly be in the mind of your children to ask them, how do you feel? What do you think about this? Because guess what? Some children are like, wow, mom, like, you could have left 50 years ago. Why are you, like, what? <laughs> and then the mom is like, well, I did it for you. What? And the children are like, no way. You know, and they'll tell you, nah, man, mom was awful to you. No, dad was awful to you. You know, like, those are the things that you need to ask your children. Because, again, they're the ones who validate your parenting. Always remember that. <laughs> not a book, not a movie, not a film, not a therapist, not a doctor, not a teacher. Your children will validate you of how good or bad of a parent you were. And whatever that means. You know, whatever their perception is. Because at five years old... <laughs> I'm going to go back to that. At five years old, that's how I planned my life. I must have been, I must have been born an adult. Because <laughs> clearly, at five years old, who's thinking about that? Like, where did I see? How did, how did that even come about? You know? What movie did I see or what novelas was I watching with my mom that at five years old, I was like, I'm going to get married at 20. I'm going to have children at 20. Like, literally, that's exactly how it happened. And they say all the time, you manifest what you, you know, your affirmations. Like, what you say out loud to yourself manifests. <laughs> like, it really happens. And that's exactly how it happened, ironically enough. Because I could have really gone the wrong way. My mom passed away at not, when I was 19, at 52 years old. I'm 52 right now. So, oh my God, and there's 52 listeners. Oof, that's scary. <laughs> 52, 52, 52. So, oh, you guys want some lottery numbers? No, <laughs> just kidding. But um, if I wonder if someone messaged me on how to edit the the guest thing because I think um, someone did send it to me but I can't find <laughs> again this is my second talk here on wisdom and I'm on vacation I'm not at home I'm in Florida right now but um, I'm working on just like I, I really feel comfortable here talking about my personal life um Whereas in other platforms, I really don't. <laughs> so uh, thank you again, Soulful Renee, Urban Critic, and The Icon for showing me this app. And I appreciate it. I really do. Um, but if you have a Throwback Thursday, and why, for, those, for those of you who don't know what a Throwback Thursday is, a throwback Thursday is just basically either a photo or an incident or a, you take Thursdays to take one incident, one photo, one film, whatever, 
that you were part of that brings you back to that day. So we pick Thursdays. I don't know why Thursdays, but I'll look it up. But um, throwback Thursday, TBT. You'll see that a lot on a hashtag for those of you that don't know. Um, and the only reason why I'm articulating the definition, because some people will be like, well, you know, why is she telling us what a th- we know what a throwback? Not everybody knows. And I'm going to give you the list of places that, because I do um, forward these to my anchor. And with an anchor, I have, um, with an anchor, I have about 15 countries. So these are the countries that um, listen to salty coffee. Argentina, Ecuador, Ireland, Canada, Italy, Puerto Rico, Finland, United Kingdom, Australia, Netherlands, Dominican Republic, Nigeria, Belgium, Ghana, South Africa, Iran, Jamaica, Japan, Mexico, Colombia, and Spain. So I do forward um, my recordings here. I I will be into uh, my anchor where these countries also listen um, in. So sometimes, you know, I like to just be very basic in um, my communication skills. (laughs) Um, I'm not a professional, I'm not an expert, I'm not a, but I've experienced a lot, and I, I think, and I truly believe that my life can be um, shared, so for those of you who are going through stuff, because when I divorced, um, I did it on my own. I, I didn't get a lawyer. I didn't. I just literally read that big book. <laughs> it was what was it like three hundred pages that I had to print out. Um, and you and it guides you step by step on your own. I did it on my own. It took me four years, but needless to say, you know I have no um, hard feelings for it. But um. You learn, you learn what you're willing to accept and what you have zero tolerance for um, when you go through a divorce, you know, and you learn from your children how it affected them, you know, but um, my kids are great. I have the most beautiful daughters, and I mean that in every way. They are calm. They're not... um, you know, crazy, like, I don't know, they're just great daughters, they're kind, they think about the world differently, you know, they, they want to help, and they realize that sometimes they can't, and when they can't, they look for help on how to help others, and I appreciate that, so leading by example is also very important, you know, that they see what you do, you know, don't, don't hide things from your kids, I think it's important for them to see what, what you do, whether that be at work, when, you know, I remember they had the daughter day at work, 
you know, I don't even remember when they started that concept. And in my place of employment, they did have it, but it was limited. And I always wondered, okay, who who's bringing their daughter? And why is just this group bringing their daughter? Why can't we bring our daughters? You know, like, what's, because I'm a support staff? Like, what, what, <laughs> you know? But um, in the 32 years that I've been working, where I work at, my daughters love it. They love the whole concept that, I was able to raise them with a living wage and the benefits that came with it. They love that. And they're noticing now that they can't find that anywhere else. They really can't. They can't find it. And that's sad, you know, the basic living wage. I I heard a talk here yesterday about get a real job, you know, things like that, and defining it, and, you know, I I don't know, but I think that's what people mean when they say that, you know, a living wage, where you're able to live and have a little bit left over to do some investing or traveling, you know, I have 60 sick days, right, 28 vacation days, 11 holidays, and three floating days, something like that. Where else (laughs) do you find that? You find that in another country where they actually have, you know, parental leave for paid for 13 months. They say, they call it the 13 months. And you know why in Italy they call it 13 months? Because they give you a whole year's worth of pay, right? To raise your child, to be able to be home, to bond with your children, to to both parents, right? And then that 13th month, it's like a bonus for you to be able to purchase those things or, you know. And I was like, man, why don't we do that? Why can't we do that? What's up with that? But this is the world we live in. And, and some people may have that. Some people may be making six figures and have all of that. But I bet you, if you're making six figures, you're probably working more than 40 hours a week. I know that for sure. So, so how do you pick? How do you select which one? How do you select, you know, damn, do I get paid more money? Or do I have these benefits where I'm able to be with my children? Because that's also a decision that I have to. I, I have plenty of opportunity to leave my job for more money. And I refused because it was, for me, it, it really wasn't about the money. It was about being able to take vacation days, being able to take floating hours so that I can be at the PTA meeting, so that I can be at the school events, so that I can be a participant in the community as an activist, that was so important for me that I I was just like, why do we do things this way? And what can I do to make make a change and, and do better for our community? Why? You know, and a lot of people are like, well, you know, you could do that because you work here and you, man, no. 
if you're if you're working doing whatever and you really love your children you can take some time off one hour or something to to do that with your children and and we live in a society now where our children will sit down and they either have a tablet or a laptop or they're locked up in their rooms why are we doing that and i'm not saying all parents do that but that's so weird <laughs> to me and so sad why are we on our phones all the time why what is it about our phone are we in love with our phone or are we in love with the attention that it brings to us what is it about our phones that we're so caught up in it because again after September 11 I had a phone in case of an emergency that's the only reason why I had a phone and my daughters, you know, I mean, I'm not going to say lucky for me, but they didn't grow up with this social media environment. And I'm so happy that they didn't. They love to live life outside of social media. They enjoy life, real life. <laughs> they go to the park and they don't even take photos, which is weird, but... They don't take photos. They don't, you know, engage in social conversations. They know they're out there with a lot of people that are not in social media. Like if 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 I had to search my children, they're out the grid, a hundred percent, and they love it. They love that they are out the grid. They're not in the in the in this virtual world where everything is about, you know, validation by someone else. They're not into that at all, at all. And I appreciate that about them as young ladies, you know, they're 26 and 30. I learned a lot from them, you know. But again, I started this podcast in 2020 to be able to share information about work, you know, retirement plans, and to share my retirement journey which will be happening soon. And I'm excited. I'm very excited that I'm going to be able to share much more um, with you about, you know, raising two daughters in the Bronx by myself or with family and friends and working at an institution for 32 because I will be retiring at 35, 55. 35 years of service and at 55 years old. I could have left a long time ago, but I love, I love my job. I love what I do. I love the people that I work for, not necessarily the whole, you know, entity organization, but the particular department. I get to meet new people. I, through my union, I was able to travel a lot. Um, but I volunteer a lot of hours for activism. And I think we could do that. So your assignment for today is you're going to tell your children, if you have any, or if you don't have any children, or family member, or your parents, whoever, what is your favorite throwback Thursday. You're going to tell them why. And you're just going to have the conversation. At dinner tonight, you need a, a, do you guys need like a, 
like a tip on what to make tonight if you don't have one <laughs> I love to my kids love lasagna the lasagna that I make they love this so much so that it would not last I would make a I would make two big pans right because I again I worked worked went to school full-time part-time worked two other gigs so we had to like really get into a uh, 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 routine that was helpful for all of us. So I'll make two big pans of lasagna. I would, you know, then cut them and separate them in containers for them to just pop it out the freezer, put it in the microwave or the oven, whichever way they want it. Because I also knew, just so you know, when I knew at five years old what I wanted to be when I grew up, I, I also encouraged my kids when they were five years old to prepare their own food, do their own laundry. Yes, at five years old. Because if your children can go into a tablet at one years old and do their little fingers on the screen, they can also do laundry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just saying. But I'm saying. <laughs> so, you know, I, I I mentioned yesterday about the shoe and the, and the issue I was having with my oldest daughter and dressing up in the morning and she would take her time. So, you know, I want you to do that tonight. Make a lasagna. If you don't know how to make it, go to YouTube or, I mean, it's not that difficult. You boil the noodles. You cook your meat or vegetables. It, you know, they, people make vegetable lasagna. I like to sometimes mix my ricotta cheese with the sauce. Um, and lots and lots and lots of mozzarella cheese. For those of you lactose intolerant, um, you may not want to do um, the cheese, and that's fine. Get on the table tonight, dinner table. Ask everyone in the family, hey, what's your throwback Thursday? If they don't know what that means, define it to them. Go back over there or show me on the phone. Of course, everybody has their photos on the phone. I still have boxes and albums full of pictures <laughs> that I can go back to. Um, my daughters make fun of me, too, because they're like, why haven't you scanned those and put them electronically? I was like, man, I like pictures. I like to go through the boxes of my life, you know. I don't like to have to be turning something on all the time to view my photos, my 10 million photos. <laughs> On Facebook, stored on Facebook or, or um, an iCloud, whatever. But have the conversation with them. If you did travel to the Grand Canyon, you can share your story of your Grand Canyon. How did you end up there? What, what was it about the Grand Canyon that you were able to be there? How did you get there? Did you go by flight? Did you go, did you drive? Did you go like I did from Vegas into um, the Grand Canyon, like, how did you do that? Conversation, like, all phones aside, and just have a nice dinner. We used to do um, meetings every Wednesdays, my daughters and I. And that would just mean that aside from dinner, right, where we would eat dinner, um, we would just talk. Talk about how their school is doing, about their teachers, I wanted them to describe the smells, the, the, the routine, 
the bathrooms, you know, what was missing, because it was very important for me to know what was going on in the schools. And I, and my youngest one, she started uh, kindergarten when September 11 happened. So, you know, she's not aware of this non-phone thing, you know, like, (laughs) she, ever since she was like five, she's like, when am I getting my phone? And I was like, that's, no, that's not, that's not how this works. (laughs) No. And, oh, well, all my friends have a phone and, um, all your friends have a mother too. And I'm sure they work differently. (laughs) That was just me. But my, my girls are amazing. I love them. Uh, um, there's nothing more beautiful than you being in love with your children, you know, unconditionally, you know, you want the best for them. At the end of the day, they're going to make their own choices, their own decisions. And that's fine. You cannot control that. You just got to let it go. (laughs) And I'm looking at, at it at this point, because again, in 2020, I was supposed to leave. Uh, um, we were all supposed to, you know, separate and go our own way, our own journey, because I believe they're ready. I believe they're ready to be on their own. They're adults, you know, they're not married. They're not, you know, they don't have children. So I'm not a grandma, (laughs) which is fine. Also, you know, that's their decision. I'm not so I'm about And hopefully, if you've missed it, you can come back and do the replay. I'm getting a phone call, sorry. Um, And someone can send me a message of how to ask guests and enable the guest thing. That would be awesome. May you all have a wonderful day and be blessed. And make sure you get lasagna tonight, (laughs) whether you make it yourself with your family or not. All right. Take care. I love you and I'll see you soon.